Wonderful evening, everyone. It's probably worth saying before I begin that we were offered Wilford or California, and we kindly said that Joanne should take on California. You're welcome, Joanne, and that we would obediently go to Wilford, just to set the, set the record straight. <laughs> but we are, we're continuing today, as you may have guessed, in our series on Galatians, this letter in the Bible that's written to one of the earliest Christian churches by St. Paul. And what we've really come to see as we've been looking at this letter is that this letter from, from Paul is really an appeal to a confused and distracted church to come back wholeheartedly to Jesus. You know, a church that had been infiltrated by uh, what Paul calls false gospels, false ideas, Paul is calling them back to their first love, to Jesus. And in part, it's fair to say in this letter that Paul doesn't mince his words. In parts, it's even angry, even furious, because what's at stake here for Paul is this community and these people that he loves. He loves these people. He, he, he would have known their names. He would have known their children's names. He knew their faces. And so for them to turn away from the gospel of Christ, the, the thing that will give them life in all abundance to something else, breaks his heart because he knows that it can never keep its promises. And it only promises a life that is so much less than what Jesus has won for them. So that's why Paul's angry in this letter. And Johnny continued last week by looking at Galatians 3 and the point at which Paul really addresses the church in Galatia for the first time. Oh, foolish Galatians, he says. And Johnny looked at how Paul, again, is calling the Galatians back to the foundation of the gospel, which is the life and the work of Jesus and the gift. This is what we're going to look at today, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And today is really a kind of part two to Johnny's sermon last week. And I'm going to look at Galatians 4 and share a bit about that and then also share through some stories, which I may have told bits of Um, in our services before. But my prayer today, as I was preparing this this week, and my prayer all day, is that we would experience a fresh homecoming to God tonight. We would experience a fresh homecoming to God, that we would experience the love of the Father and know in the depths of our hearts that we are his children. Just a small prayer. And this, particularly this last bit, as we see in Galatians 4, is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, Paul says, makes real to us our identity as God's children. He says this, turn with me to verses 6 and 7. Paul says this, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I recently became a dad. Have you heard? Did you see him? Yeah. Um, And uh, you know what? Actually, I don't want that to be the focus of this talk. I'm not going to be one of those people who like just keeps going on about it and, and, and just keeps showing you pictures of their baby. We're here to dwell on the scriptures and I don't want to distract from the message. And so I really want us to focus today on the passage at hand. Um, funny, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was a good gag. Um, <laughs> but I became a dad recently and, and for nine months... Uh, during, during my wife Kate's pregnancy, I obviously knew that she was pregnant. Trust me, I knew that she was pregnant. 
And, and I knew on, on, on like a theoretical level, I, I, I sort of understood intellectually that I was a father and that this little human wriggling about inside of her was my son. But nothing prepared me for the moment when I actually met him. When I first lifted him out of the water and placed him into Kate's arms, it was completely overwhelming. I mean, so overwhelming, I literally cried and then threw up. Seriously, that's what happened uh, four weeks ago now. <laughs> Nothing prepared me. It was, it was just like, it was disruptive and it was beautiful and terrifying and I'd never felt love like it. And it was at this moment where I didn't just, uh, I didn't just know theoretically, I didn't just uh, uh, sort of on some head level think I was a father, but I knew it. Do you see that? The ident this identity became real to me. I knew in that moment that I was actually a dad. And this is what, this is what Paul says the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He, the, the Holy Spirit makes real to us our identity. Our identity as God's children, our identity as those you can cry out, Abba, Father. And it's worth remembering in this moment that Paul is writing this letter in the middle of a conflict. You know, this letter, as we come to see, isn't just a nice catch-up um, between, between Paul and this community. He's, like, he's pretty angry that they're, they're in conflict. And the reason that I say that is because if this didn't really happen, if the Galatians hadn't in fact actually received the Holy Spirit, if they hadn't experienced the Father and the love of God, if they hadn't actually experienced being God's children, there's no way that Paul would have brought this up in the letter. Because they'd just dismiss him out of hand, right? They'd say, oh, that never happened. What a load of rubbish. You know, this moment that Paul's talking about had to have been sufficiently real for him to be reminding the Galatians of it. Does that make sense? We can experience the love of the Father. And this is the point of Galatians 4, that as Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, the same is true for us today, that the Holy Spirit that was at work in the Galatians church 2,000 years ago is here and present tonight. And that the good news of the gospel, there's so many things about the good news of the gospel, but the, but the good news is that you don't just have to have a theoretical knowledge of Jesus, but you can meet him for yourself in this room tonight. You can encounter him. He can fill you with his spirit and you can know his love. You can know that you are his child. You can encounter him. And I want to just share a few stories about people who have encountered the love of the Father, have been filled by the Holy Spirit, and have been freed to cry, Abba, Father. As many of you uh, may know, I didn't grow up around the church and I became a Christian in my teens. And as I've said before on this platform, the, 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 the story really of my journey to faith actually begins with my mum, who about a year before she died, when me and my brother were children, uh, had this radical encounter with Jesus, had this physical encounter with Jesus in her hospital room. And I remember even now, the, I remember the very last time I saw my mum and she just had this peace this centeredness, this, this look in her eye that she was somehow home and it affected me so deeply. E years before I would have called myself a Christian, she had this peace that I'd later come to describe as a peace that surpasses all understanding. But as I've been reflecting on my mum's story, I've been thinking about another facet of it, which is to do with her father. You know, I never knew my mum's father, my, my granddad, but... 
When she described him, it was always with affection. And I came to understand that he was um, a good man, a, a, a kind man, but often absent or oblivious to the cruelty that my mum and her siblings experienced in their home. You know, I learned later in life that this cruelty that my mum experienced in her home was a big reason for her running away from home as a teenager and going to live with her older sister. It seems my mum's experience of her father was that he was good, but not necessarily present, particularly in her pain, particularly in her suffering. So fast forward a few decades, by which point my mum's father had died, and my mum is married to my dad, has two young children, and is in hospital with cancer. And by this stage, the regular interventions hadn't worked at all, so she was in a private room on an experimental treatment in the hope that this new drug against all the odds might make a difference. And here, in the darkest moment of my mum's life, in the moment of her greatest suffering and distress, Jesus appears to her and she encounters him. And as I've thought about this story recently, as I've pondered it again, I've begun to ask the question, I wonder if God intersected my mum's story at that point because he knew that she needed to experience that her heavenly father was present in her pain. Because she needed to experience that the Heavenly Father wasn't just good and sat somewhere out on a cloud, but perfect and with her in a suffering, crying her tears, longing to hold her. The gospel in that moment for my mum wasn't that God was a good father, but a present, perfect father. And it enabled her to cry, Abba, Father. Years later, when I was 20, my dad was unwell and I'd left home to go to university. I'd been a Christian for several years at this point, and it was something that my dad supported but didn't understand. And during this time, just after I left for university, in fact, I wrote my dad a letter. And in this letter, I told him the story of the prodigal son, that famous parable in the Bible. I thought it was particularly pertinent because I had left home for the big city and was already squandering my student loan on wild living, which was, for me, the 24-hour McDonald's on High Street Ken and a MacBook Pro. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Anyway, after sharing um, this parable in the letter, I asked my dad to think about the, the, the love that he had as a father for me and my brother. His father's love that, like the father in this parable, would do anything to bring us home. No matter how badly we'd screwed up, no matter how badly we had messed up. And I believe in that moment the Holy Spirit began to reframe my dad's own experience as a father and a few weeks later, he gave his life at the age of 65 to Jesus. You know, through his fatherhood, the Holy Spirit revealed that actually he was a son. Is it possible that God intersected my dad's story at that moment because he knew that being a father was my dad's doorway into becoming a son that enabled him to cry, Abba, Father. Last Saturday, hundreds of women gathered for an event called The Orchard in Birmingham 
to worship Jesus together. And after the conference, Amy and Rachel received countless emails from people who attended, telling about what Jesus had done in them during the day. And they got one particular email that I thought I had up on my phone, I've lost. I oh, know I found it, I found it, I found it. And I'd, I'd love to read this email to you now. So this, is a, this is an email from a woman who had attended the conference, and then she sent this over to uh, Amy and Rachel a few days after. She says this, Thank you for an incredible time. It was truly life-changing. I booked myself a hotel with a four-minute walk to the venue, and I spent the night before chatting to God and saying, Please, I don't want to leave tomorrow's event unchanged. I need to hear you. I woke up that, small, that morning and repeated the same thing. It's been a hard few months and I've done things and said things that I'm absolutely ashamed of. I lost sight of God while still appearing to be, be okay, if that makes any sense. I seem to have got into a cycle and pattern of behavior and I firmly believed I was disqualified and that God would never use me again. And I was so desperate to feel his forgiveness and kept asking him all these questions and fighting with myself. I realized when I left the hotel that I hadn't brought a coat with me, and it was raining. I thought I knew where I was going, but my phone told me to go a different way, so I listened to it and was praying to God those same prayers. I walked for about 10 minutes and thought, I'm not here yet, and this doesn't look right. But my phone told me to keep going, so I did. I began to get into slightly more dodgy areas and I was soaked and a few of the people I passed by spat on me and were heckling me. And still my phone kept telling me to walk this way. What was supposed to be a four-minute walk was now 29 minutes and I was in tears, completely lost and feeling so alone. And I heard a voice say, turn back, go home, don't go. There's no point, you look a mess, you're wet, nobody will notice. You won't be missed and you wouldn't fit in with them anyway. I sat slumped at a bus stop and cried when a bus pulled up and the driver asked if I was okay. I sobbed that I wasn't and that I just wanted to get to the town hall and meet God. He gave me a look and pointed out that I was two miles away and going in the wrong direction. He kindly pointed out the bus stop on the other side of the road and waited till I got there. Within seconds, a bus pulled up and he knew about me and told me to get in and he'd tell me where to get off. It was 10 a.m. by now. I'd been walking an hour and thought, is there any point? I've missed it. I hate walking in on my own when those things have started. The bus driver took me to the town centre and as he was changing shifts, told me to stop crying, clean my face up and showed me where to go. I was one of the last people to arrive and you hadn't started the meeting. I found a seat and the lady started singing that song and I burst into tears and couldn't stop. By the time the worship started, I was on my knees, unable to move. The lady next to me was so lovely and kindly prayed. I managed to stand and join in with tears streaming down my face. And then one of your team stood on the stage and said she had had these thoughts earlier in the week that made her feel ashamed. And she literally described my conversation with God. I cried. And Amy's talk, I cried. And then the worship again. I couldn't go forward for prayer because of, where I, because of where I was, but I knew God was meeting me there. It was strange. A long time ago at a Christian event, a man whose name, whose name I can't remember, came and he had oil on his hands that, that just appeared and the smell was incredible. He prayed for us all and yesterday at the orchard as I cried and found myself on my knees, I smelt that same smell and it was so strong. 
I managed to pull myself together and went for a walk and sat outside the cathedral until the seminar started. I got prayed for at the seminar and cried a whole lot more. But I think God met me. I was certainly life-changing and I, f- and I felt more forgiven and free than I have done in years. I was worried about coming on my own, but I also knew that for some reason I needed to get there and now I'm glad I did. Thank you for being faithful for what God put on your hearts. Isn't that amazing? When I heard that story earlier this week, I cried. And then I had this thought, knowing that I was going to be preaching on this on Sunday, and the thought was this. How does that story make any sense unless God is a loving father? Unless the paradigm for that story is that God is a perfect, loving father, desperate to meet with that woman who meets her in the middle of her mess and her shame and her disappointment, who meets her even when she wanted to give up and calls her, draws her into his arms. How does that story make sense any other way? You know, this Holy, the Holy Spirit, he renewed this woman's experience of God, didn't he? Which enabled her to cry out, Abba, Father. You see, what I want to say tonight is that the good news of the gospel isn't just that God's real. It's not even just that he's good, although he is. The good news of the gospel is that he is a father, a perfect father who is calling each one of us by name, who in Jesus has made a way for not just us in this room, but all of creation to come back to the meaning, the purpose, the destiny of our lives. That the center of the universe is a loving father who is longing for his children to come home. And who in Jesus comes to us in flesh, even suffering for us, taking upon himself our pain, our sin, our sickness. Bearing upon himself the wounds that we deserve so that we could be set free to cry, Abba, Father. You know, Paul puts it in another letter to the Romans like this. He says, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Another way of putting that is that in Jesus, God was bringing his children home. And that every longing we have, every sort of hunger that we feel within us, every longing we have for love and significance and purpose, every moment we have when, we, when our head hits the pillow and we wonder, why am I really here? What's the meaning of my life? We find the answer in the Father. You were made, you were designed to know God. You were designed with confidence to say the words, Abba, Father. Never in the Old Testament is God addressed as Father. Did you know that? Nowhere in the Old Testament is he addressed as Father. He's described as one, but he's never addressed as one. And yet because of what Jesus does, because of the, his death on the cross for our sins, and because of his resurrection... He bestows upon us his identity. He bestows upon us the relationship that he has with the Father so that like Jesus, we can address God the Father directly. Paul puts it like this again. This is what he means in verses 4 and 5 when he says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. What was this set time? This set time is when God would make a way for us all to come back to the destiny of our lives. 
He would make a way for all of us to be able to be his children again, to come home to him. Isn't that what he did in the lives of these people, that I, in these stories I just shared? I expect many of us in this room could testify to him doing the same within us. You know, perhaps like that first story, like my mum, the Holy Spirit wants to fill you tonight and redeem your picture of the Father. You know, perhaps for various deep and complex reasons, calling God Father doesn't feel like good news to you. Maybe you had a, an experience of an earthly father that was far from good, far from loving, far from perfect, but the Holy Spirit wants to fill you tonight that you would know that God is a perfect father who loves you, who frees you, who longs to speak to you, is present with you, who is totally, totally merciful, totally steadfast. Is this not what Jesus does throughout the Gospels, by the way? He goes to the people on the margins, the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners. Those who, who, who in their mind, God was just another way to shut them out. God was just, a, just another person that judged them and condemned them. And he says to them, doesn't he, in the Gospels, no, God isn't like that. The Father isn't like that. He's longing to draw you into his arms. Or perhaps like that second story, that story about my dad, the Holy Spirit wants to come tonight and fill you and reframe your experience today. You know, as I was writing this, I felt particularly that this was going to be true today for fathers. And I realized that there's perhaps less fathers in this room than there were in the other two services. But I felt like the work the Holy Spirit wanted to do tonight was particularly for, for, um, as well for fathers who, who, who it's like easy to imagine your love for your own children. You can grasp that, but there seems to be a block within you when it comes to thinking that God could feel that way about you. You understand the intimacy and the affection that you pour on your own children, but you can't imagine that God would do that for you. I think God wants to reframe your experience today. Or perhaps like that third story, the Holy Spirit wants to come and renew your identity as his child today. Maybe you've been coming to church for a really, really long time, but you know that your identity has kind of slipped out of whack. That you, you, you've, you, your starting point has become something other than being God's child. And God wants to remind you tonight, wants to fill you with his spirit, that your identity as his child, his beloved child, is made real in you again tonight. You know, that's what he's been doing in me this week. As I've been meditating uh, on this scripture, I've been thinking about this word Abba, which some of you would have heard this before, but Abba is an Aramaic word that is translated to father, but it's kind of more informal and intimate than that. You know, it's probably, it's probably more akin to dad or papa or daddy. And as I sat with God this week, I, I realized that in the last, maybe even the last year, I've sort of felt like maybe that my, my uh, relationship with God had become almost like, 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 like too cozy with God, right? And I needed to restore some of the reverence and the majesty of God. And as I sat this week, I realized that what started out for me as reverence actually has become distance. And I had to dare again this week just to call to him, Father, even using that word, Dad, Daddy. And as I did, the Holy Spirit filled me and my identity as God's child became real to me again. You know, the point isn't that you have to deeply relate to any of these stories that I've told today. I've only told them to express something of the Father's heart for you. 
and to let you know that this is possible for each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit wants to meet with you, wants to make real to you the love of the Father. As I was praying earlier this morning, I saw we had uh, different people at the services came up for prayer and we're, there'll be an invitation to do that in a couple of, couple of moments. But in the first service, just near the end, I saw in this middle aisle here, like a, like a doorway, a door frame. And I felt that that was the invitation tonight. The word that kept coming back to me was homecoming. There's an invitation to you tonight to come home to God, whether it's for the hundredth time or for the first time, to come home to him, to be filled with his experience filled with his spirit to experience his love so come home tonight how much more will your heavenly father pour out the Holy Spirit on those who ask him